Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into Soccer Morning on a Monday. Very glad to have you as you come out of your weekend, a jam-packed soccer weekend all around the globe. We will cover as much of said globe as we can in about one hour and a little bit more. We'll take your phone calls later in the show. Whatever is on your mind today. Clearly, we had a lot of MLS action to digest. Some uh, big results in that league. Certainly, LA Galaxy making a statement. Toronto FC apparently just loves to play Orlando City. Uh, You had DC United falling to San Jose, who had an incredible week. Six points in four days for the Quakes. We'll get into all of that. We've got scores there. We've got the Premier League. We're actually going to focus on the Premier League a bit today with our friend Luke Moore from the world-famous Football Ramble. He'll join us in a couple of minutes to go over what happened in the top division in England. Certainly look ahead to today's match. Arsenal hosting Liverpool seems to be a big one at the beginning of the year. We've got a couple of teams making a statement. Well, we have one team making a real statement in the Premier League right now. and I bet you can guess who it is. We'll get to that here. Got some FIFA news that I'm going to get to. Again, Plenty of phone calls in the latter half of the show. Let's dive in and talk about this weekend's results. La Liga opened up first week of the season. Real Madrid not getting off to a very good start. Held by Sporting Gijón, a uh, newly promoted side. 0-0. The Rafa Benitez era not um, off to a very good start. And now, of course, you're going to have... Because it's that club, because it's that culture, you're going to have those questions of whether or not Rafa Benitez is going to be able to hold on to his job if he's getting results like that. If you draw against, I don't care care where it is, it could be on the moon, you draw against Sporting Gijon, you're probably not going to be long for Real Madrid, especially if the other teams in the league, the other big teams, the other teams vying for a La Liga title, uh, get off to a good start. That's relative, of course, but three points is three points. Doesn't matter how you get it. Barcelona squeaking by Athletic Bilbao, who, of course, beat them in the Spanish Super Cup, one nothing to get their season underway. And Atletico Madrid, one nothing over Las Palmas. So those two teams get three points. They get started much stronger than Real Madrid did, of course. 
and the Rafa Benitez era, a, 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 a questionable choice to begin with for Real Madrid, but also a coach who has maybe a reputation for squeezing some of the joy out of his teams. He's got plenty of talent there. There really are no excuses at Real Madrid. We'll see how this goes. The Bundesliga continues to roll on. Dortmund with a 4 nothing win over Ingolstadt. Gladbach losing to Mainz in, uh, in, in the Bundesliga. A bit of a surprise there. Uh, you did have Bayern Munich beating Hoffenheim 2-1 on Saturday. To the aforementioned MLS, the LA Galaxy, with that 5-1 thrashing of NYC FC at the StubHub Center. Robbie Keane scores, scores twice. Giovanni Dos Santos was excellent. After the game... NYCFC DP and striker David Villa with some comments saying, I need teammates at my side that can help me. I can't do it alone. Clearly, things are not clicking all that well at NYCFC in year one. Not sure why we would have expected them to. Villa, one of the only consistent elements of that team that has, uh, that has uh, again, gotten to themselves to a point where they're at least in a conversation for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That's reasonably good considering they started from scratch under Jason Christ this season. The Columbus Crew, or I'm I'm sorry, Crew SC comes back to beat Sporting Kansas City at home 3-2, to two, the winner from Jack McInerney. Uh, the lead-up to that, wow, Federico Higuain with uh, an incredible attempt. The rebound comes to McInerney, who puts it away. This is two losses in the week for Sporting. Of course, they were thrashed. By San Jose, 5 nothing in midweek. Uh, so it's a bad week for Sporting Kansas City. They were without Benny Failhaber, who picked up a red card in that game against San Jose. Toronto FC, as I mentioned, very much enjoy playing uh, Orlando City Soccer Club. 5 nothing winners. Toronto FC over Orlando City on Saturday. You had Sebastian Javinko doing his thing again with a, a an amazing free kick. You had Michael Bradley putting on a show, Josie Altidore with a uh, with a goal. So uh, clearly, Toronto likes playing Orlando. If they could do that all year, they'd be in the playoffs already. DC United falling to San Jose two to nothing. This is not uh, this is not going well for DC right now. They're starting to see um, their lead in the Eastern Conference slip. They are only, I say this, only five points ahead of Red Bulls, but. With the Red Bulls off this weekend, they now have four games in hand on DC United, and they are uh, in position to chase down DC United at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. If you're, can, if you're wondering about the overall standings in MLS right now, the Galaxy actually have the lead in the Supporter Shield race, a point up on Vancouver. Vancouver one nothing winners over FC Dallas and Philadelphia. One more result here, spoiling the debut of Didier Drogba up in Montreal. Full house on hand at Stad Saputo to see the Ivorian striker make his MLS debut. He played 30 minutes as a substitute, uh, had one shot, a header that he pushed wide. And uh, Philadelphia, with a goal from Sebastian Latou, gets three points that they desperately need if they're going to keep their playoff hopes alive. In the Premier League, which we will review in full with Luke Moore in just a couple of minutes. Manchester City, 2 nothing winners over Everton. Watched most of that game myself. Uh, certainly the first goal, Tim Howard getting beaten near post. That's not good. Can't do that. Second goal from Samir Nasri. 
was uh, a, quite a beauty. And Manchester City didn't really ever look stretched in that game. Chelsea 3-2 winners over West Brom, a wild game in the rain at the, Th- at the Hawthorns. Uh, didn't seem like Josie was uh, Jose was happy with that result or happy with the play of his team. Excuse me, happy with the result, not happy with the play of his team after the match. Of course, being Jose Mourinho, we know he's going to say things that aren't uh, 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 aren't the best. Uh, not everybody's going to love those comments. Manchester United played to a goalless draw against Newcastle, so certainly the first issue for Manchester United on the new season. They had a couple of one nothing wins, so they scored twice in three matches, but they have yet to concede. So some positives there. You have Arsenal hosting Liverpool today. I mentioned that already. We'll certainly preview that match with Luke in a minute. FIFA Reform Commissioner, uh, his name is, and I have it right here, it is Francois Carard, has uh, criticized the United States and defended Sepp Blatter. This is what you want to hear from the head of the 15-person FIFA Reform Committee. There is something unfair in the way he is treated, meaning Blatter. I say that with complete independence. We are in the process of pillaring him. Unfortunately, it's always like that when someone, somebody stays too long. The negative side gets noticed. This man has been unfairly treated. And if we talk about corruption, I have the whole U.S. proceedings on my table in the indictment. There is not one word against him. Nothing. Today, I'm not aware of any indication of corruption against Sub Blatter. He went on to say... For the U.S., football, soccer does not have the same weight as baseball, basketball, and American football. There, it's just an ethnic sport for girls in schools. Give you a second to digest that and then lead, uh, finish off here with word that Mario Balotelli, uh, on the outs, not, uh, not in the plans uh, for uh, Brendan Rodgers in Liverpool, who looks to be going on loan back to AC Milan I'm a little disappointed. Would have loved to have seen him come to MLS. Of course, that was very unlikely, always. But uh, a man can dream. A man can dream. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Luke Moore from the world-famous Football Ramble. We'll talk about the English Premier League into its third week. And look at Arsenal-Liverpool. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. This Sunday, it's the return of MLS Rivalry Week as the New York Red Bulls take on DC United live on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. Eastern. For a different experience, I'd like to invite you to mute the TV and listen to me on Rabble.tv as I share my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by post- posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast, call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Red Bulls against D.C. on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we are back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. Since we get an opportunity to talk to Luke Moore from the world-famous Football Ramble. Follow him on Twitter at Lukey Moore. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to talk a lot of Premier League here, and I didn't prep you for this, but I have a question. It just occurred to me. 
Um, we have uh, the 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 MLS games are now uh, uh, several MLS games, I guess, are being broadcast in England. I believe on on the in the UK on Sky. I believe that's where they are. Um, that's correct. That's yeah. that's obviously a late night sort of thing for you guys. Uh, you know, understand. Yeah. Uh, but there seems to be a, a decent enough audience growing, which is, I guess, good for for American football. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to the pregame festivities uh, at American sporting events, we like to we like to make a big deal out of them. We sing our national anthem. It's a thing. I, I saw some people complaining, <laughs> some some Brits complaining about the national anthem. How do you feel about that, Luke? Um, what the U.S. national anthem being played before MLS game? Yes, sir. Um, I don't. I don't. I think it's up to you guys, isn't it? Well, yes. People love to complain. Okay. Don't worry about it. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I get it. It's kind of over the top, and we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of planes flying over stadiums and and uh, confetti. Yeah, and we, don't, we don't have uh, we don't have a national anthem being played at Premier League games purely because the the, the, the clubs are normally owned by foreign people. It seems like we're sort of teasing ourselves with the back, so we go. don't tend to do it. All right, if uh, you guys want to do it, that's up to you. It's your business. All right, fair enough. I, I like that attitude. Um, Let's uh, let's talk about the Premier League. Let's talk about what's going on there um, in your country. Let's uh, let's start with Chelsea. It's been a trying open to the season for the defending champions. Jose Mourinho and I was asked about this yesterday on a a radio show myself. Luke, it was has he tipped over into you know this is before they actually beat uh, West Brom yesterday morning uh, our time. Has he tipped over beyond the usual Jose nonsense and distraction and attempting to play the head games into something that that is going to ultimately end poorly for Chelsea? Um, I don't know about the second bit, but the first bit, I would my instinctive answer is yes. I think uh, it's been a very difficult time for him. Probably the most difficult period he's faced um, as Chelsea manager, certainly in the second stint, possibly in the first stint as well. Apart from when he when he finally left the club, of course. Um, he's finding it difficult, uh, very much so. I, I, th- I think the, the game against West Brom was a, was a weird one because they they laboured to it to such an extent that it almost felt like they didn't actually win. Yeah. But of course, of course they did, right. and it was a much needed win. Um, but there are problems at the club, clearly, not just off the pitch with Mourinho, sort of, yeah, as, as you put it, going, going way over the top, but but on the pitch as well, they're, they're struggling for. Do you, do you think that the performance this, levels and stuff like that? I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll come to the performance, and, and maybe we can talk about the the issues within the team. Uh, again, three two winners. That's not act like they they drop points against West Brom. But is this? Do you get this? I mean, I don't. Never mind. You know what? I, I don't want to sit here and, and do dime store psychology on Jose Mourinho. I mean, who who knows exactly why he does what he does? I mean, we can imagine that this is a, a an issue where he just can't help himself, or we could imagine that everything is calculated, and, and we have no way of knowing. I don't, oh, I don't think I don't think it is calculated at the moment. No, I just I, I don't buy that at all. Okay. I think if you look at the situation, in, they won the first game of the season um, yesterday. Of course, the problems they've got are things are very much things on the pitch. And this is this is this is this is a situation where I mean, just two examples. One, um, Cesc Fabregas's performance level has been low. It's far lower than we're used to seeing from him. He's not playing very well <clears throat> um, at the moment. Uh, when in fact last season he started off very strongly. And and then you, that sort of feeds into the second problem, which is the John Terry situation at the moment. Mm-hmm. So John Terry's a very good, probably one of the best defenders in the world still when he defends as part of a unit. If, if you treat a defensive unit as a team within a team, then John Terry's one of the best around at, at organising that. As soon as you pull one of those things away or you take the, a bit of the protection in front of him or a fullback bombs on, they get caught on the break and he is caught one-on-one with a striker like we saw yesterday, 
he can look very ordinary indeed, very slow and very ordinary. And that's what happened. It's a testament to how good Chelsea are generally. He hardly ever gets caught out like that. But now we've seen what happens when he does. There'll be a lot of managers in the Premier League that have taken a lot of solace from that, not least uh, Pellegrini and, and Man City. Because if you can catch Terry one-on-one these days, it looks like he can be exposed. Yeah. And, and that is a big problem for Chelsea because Mourinho's now got to do the uh, over, overly political um, process of starting to remove Don Terry from the team like we saw Brendan Rodgers have to do with Steven Gerrard last season. Yeah. And it's never going to be easy. Now, of course, Mourinho and um, Terry's relationship is a lot stronger than Rodgers and, and Gerrard's uh, was. But even so, it's, it's going to be a big change in the guard. And this John Stones thing uh, keeps rumbling on as well, which contributes to that too. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the Stones uh, transfer saga is still going on. Um, the, the rumors of, of him coming over. In terms of John Terry, briefly, you know, he's obviously a team leader based on his longevity at the club and how good he's been. Um, he's had his, obviously a sheriff controversy, so he's, he's certainly not a squeaky clean figure. Uh, but is he the type of player and leader within that team who will take his medicine when it comes to stepping aside, say if Stones comes in or, or Jose Mourinho simply decides it's a stronger team without John Terry in it? I don't know. It's hard to say because he's never had to do that before. I mean, Mourinho said last week that he, t- he took Terry off at half-time because he wanted his fastest defender on the pitch, and that's Zuma. Um, I don't know what Mourinho's relationship like is like with Terry behind closed doors. No one does, but I'm, I'm led to believe it's very strong. It depends whether Terry loves um, the club as much as he says he does or whether he just loves himself. And if it's, if it's the latter, then it'll be harder. But if he, if he loves the club as much as he says he does, I'm sure he'll realise it's for the greater good and that he can't go on forever. Um, but I mean, he played every minute last season, which is an incredible achievement at his age. And yet this season, he's well, he's missed half of a Premier League game and now he's been sent off and now he's going to be suspended. So he's not anywhere near the stand he was before. And it's going to impact on the players in general as well because he's a captain. He's, a, he's, a, he's an inspirational figure. And, and regardless of what his popularity is like outside of that club, he's still very popular, isn't it? And, and if, if his performance level drops off like it has and he's starting to be phased out of the team, it's a big, it's a big thing to manage for the club. Uh, one one good thing, obviously, aside from just getting three points and starting the season uh, finally with a win, uh, it was the play of Pedro. He comes over from Barcelona. Clearly, he had been a target for Manchester United. I'm still not clear on what the story was at United, whether or not they simply lost out and were spinning after the fact or if uh, they really did decide that they didn't need him. But he certainly seems like a, a an asset for Chelsea going forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I've heard different reports. I heard one report over the last when when Pedro was signed that um, him and his agent didn't even know Ed Woodward was in Spain. So I mean, that's a damning indictment of how <laughs> Woodward operates. If that's true, but I mean, here we always hear so many different stories around the transfer. As you said, it might just be Manchester United spinning that they don't want him anymore, and they were they were actually gazumped um, by Chelsea. That's possible. I mean, Chelsea are a big player in the transfer market now with their money and the recent success they've had. Um, it's guessing. It's guessing games, really. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I, I don't actually... I mean, I, I could see why United wanted him. I think he would improve pretty much any team around, but I don't think he's a priority position for United anyway. Um, so they need to turn their attention elsewhere, which they're now doing. But they're being linked with all sorts of, of strange, um, strange different, different signings. I mean, it's open season at Old Trafford at the moment, it seems like, um, because everyone knows they've got money. Everyone knows Louis van Gaal and, and would want to spend. And so it's just a case of, 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 of uh, journalists linking players all over the place. And it's very difficult to know what's true and what isn't. Sure, absolutely. And it's not really United's fault necessarily if somehow a, a rumor linking Neymar to United becomes bubbling up. Well, even if we know that, that the, the, the likelihood of that happening, is, uh, happening is, is extremely, extremely small. But let's come to United 
They're held by Newcastle. They outplayed Newcastle. There was no doubt about that. And yet they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net to 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 get away with three points there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, let a little bit of praise for Newcastle for holding firm, but but that's got to be an issue for Van Hall. Yeah, so I'd say it probably is. I think if they scored early, you know, which they threatened to do a number of times, then we wouldn't be talking about the great defensive Newcastle a Newcastle defensive display, and we wouldn't be talking about United struggling. But they're, they're the fine margins we have to, uh, mm-hmm. we have to the football teams have to deal with. I don't know. If it, I don't really know if I buy this by the uh, narrative that it was a really good Newcastle defensive performance. I thought they were lucky. I thought it was back sure. to the wall. Yeah, um, it wasn't they were limiting United in terms of chances or shots. It's just they rode their luck a little bit, and United weren't able to convert. I don't see that necessarily as being a hugely impressive defensive performance. I think a hugely impressive defensive performance is limiting players of uh, the opposite team having shots and scoring opportunities, and Newcastle didn't do that. And that said, though, no, no, Old Trafford is a great point for them, and they'll build on that. Um, but you know, it, it's clear to me United need an out-and-out striker. I keep seeing Benzema being with Arsenal. I think United should be in for him as well. And maybe they are. I mean, we, we don't know. But they need an out-and-out striker badly because really his performance level is dropping off hugely as well. Um and he's not going to improve now. Really. I mean, he, he may get into a bit of form again for the rest of the season and score some goals, but we're not we're not seeing a player in Wayne Rooney who is improving. So they need to start thinking about replacing him. Yeah. And they can try Rooney in the number ten just behind uh, Hernandez. I'm not sure if Hernandez is, is fully equipped to lead the line um, for a whole season for a club as big as United. So they need to sign a striker. Um, and I think although Van Gaal protests that they're not interested in doing that. I think they probably are, and I think we might even see some development in that position between now and the transfer window closing. Yeah, I, I, my, my personal opinion, Javier Hernandez is more of a complimentary player than, than, a, than a, a line leader, as you said. And Wayne Rooney, that actually brings me to something that I heard. I mean, obviously playing uh, different positions, but, but hitting portions of their career. I mean, Rooney a little bit younger, I believe, than, than Yaya Torre. But there was some talk yesterday, Luke, and, and Manchester City beats Everton 2 nothing and continues their good start. And Yaya Torre was good again. Um, setting up Samir Nasri with a with a lovely flick on the second goal, but there was some talk on the broadcast I was watching uh, that Yaya Torre's legs may require him to play higher up the field as as Manchester City moves along here, and that's probably true. Is is there something? I mean, uh, obviously Wayne Rooney again, not a midfielder, not covering the same kind of ground. But what is it that that you see in him that is it allowing him to be as effective up top that may require him to to drop off a bit and, and play more of a creative role? Who, Wayne Rooney? Yes, sir. Um, well, he had that season where he would play right up top with Valencia feeding him, and he scored quite a lot of goals. Um, I, I just don't know if, if, if these days he, is, he has the... I don't think he's a player who's taken his fitness hugely seriously, mm-hmm. especially in the summer. And that'll catch up on you. I mean, it happens with top-level athletes. It happens particularly in boxing and things like that. If you don't live the life the whole time, it'll catch up on you as you get older. And Rooney is also a... Um, a, um, a player who <clears throat> who peaked at a very young age, and he's had injuries, and he's and he's and he's dropped off consistently. Really, I mean, he he, he he went through a phase at United of going good season, bad season, good season, bad season in terms of goal scoring. But as I said to you earlier, I don't think we're going to see an improvement in Wayne now as a player. Um, and when you drop a little bit deeper, perhaps he can affect the player a little bit more because he's 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 a, he's a weird combination of sort of really bullish, effective, bustling English centre forward, but also he's got quite a deft touch. And he can pick a pass out, and he can do more of the sort of things we associate with continental players. And um, so maybe if people think that he can he can drop a bit deeper and affect the play more there. But that's he's been tried a lot deeper, and it's not really worked either. Mm. Um, but he's such an iconic figure there. We we do a very good line in the Premier League and in English football of, of talismanic players, where we we put players up on pedestals: Gerrard at, at, at Liverpool, Terry at Chelsea, and, and to a certain extent Rooney at Man United. 
And uh, when their careers start coming to an end, whatever time that may be, um, they need to be managed out of the club. They need to be managed out of the starting lineup. And it'll be very hard for, if it's, if it's not Louis van Gaal, it'll be forever what manager follows him to, to sort of manage Rooney a little bit more effectively and, uh, for the good of the team. Um, I wonder sometimes whether, and it happened with England for a while as well, I wonder whether we're talking far too much about where we can play Rooney and not enough about whether he should be playing consistently at all. Mm, yeah, I mean, that, that's when you when you take on that, that status within the club, you kind of, yeah. It, it becomes, yeah, exactly. We just take yeah. it as an example. I mean, Rooney hasn't scored for Manchester United, I don't think, since April. Mm. Uh, if, 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 if a striker who wasn't quite so big on reputation had gone through that barren patch, would he still be being picked for one of the biggest clubs in the world? It's difficult to say. I suspect probably not, though. Hmm, interesting. It's a little John Terry at Chelsea, but obviously Rooney. Um, more... Well, the John Terry thing is a slightly different situation because he's a defender. So you, right, ideally, exactly. you want, you yeah. want a centre-back pair, pairing that you can rely yeah. on and you can keep them in there all, all season, like they did last season. And that was the bedrock of their success last season. You can't really be bringing a centre-back in and out of the uh, out of the team. It's, it's not sure. really going to work yeah. because... You want a defensive unit, like I said to you earlier. It's a team within a team, really. Yeah, I mean, you have a situation where you, you you give up goals. It's pretty obvious. Okay, we have a defensive frailty here. You don't score goals. It it's you can kind of talk your way around. Well, it's not necessarily Rooney. It's it's all of our attacking options. Uh, we we don't hmm. have enough here. We're not sharp enough there, et cetera. Et cetera. Oh, that's fair as well. I think. Yeah, really and, and, and look, it? yeah, fair. it's it's not all on Wayne Rooney clearly, but but he may be part of. The issue at Manchester United. All right. Um, briefly, before I move on um, to a couple of other games here, I, I'll come back to Manchester City. They, they do beat Everton 2-0. Um, I watched most of that game, Luke, from what I saw. I mean, it was, it was, it was coasting for Manchester City for the most part. They, they went up a goal and then just uh, saw it out. Um, do they have the look? I mean, it's, it's very, very early. But while we're sitting here talking about Jose Mourinho, maybe – crumbling a bit and, and Chelsea having to go through some issues, uh, Manchester United being unconvincing and, uh, and no one else really there on that level, City has the look of the champion already. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously seen the goal yet and they've looked very impressive, a lot more impressive than many people, myself included, thought they would be because their pre-season was, was pretty poor. And they've not got another, what you would term, difficult league game now until uh, the end of September where they play Spurs away. And I've, I've wondered really the way Spurs have looked they're going to threaten them anyway. So, I mean, then you're looking at Manchester United away in, at the end of October. Um, so, they're going to look like, they look like they're going to build up a pretty big lead. But that said, I mean, if you cast your mind back not too far to last season, I think, I think there were joint points and goal difference with Chelsea on New Year's Day, I think, and they just dropped off massively. Yeah. Their performance level went down. I mean, I'm talking about performance levels a lot today, I understand that. But their performance level went down badly towards the back end of last season. So, it's always possible um, that they, they could drop off. But that said, they strengthen so well and they strengthen in the right areas too. Um, so it's difficult, even though we're still in August, to see any other te- well, many other teams sort of dealing with them or, or staying staying up with them, especially now that the gap between them and Chelsea is already, um, what is it, like five points or something already and that's, that's going to be difficult in itself. But I do think City under Pellegrini are capable of dropping off and... Uh, Maybe if Aguero gets injured again, is Bonnie going to come in there and, and do the same job? Probably not. So there are areas where they possibly could still improve. Uh, and I saw a lot of talk over the weekend of City leading from the very top and staying there all season like Chelsea did last season. I don't know if that's quite going to happen, mm-hmm. but they certainly look like the standout team mm-hmm. um, and all, all the onus is on Chelsea to try and keep up with them. Uh, I'm just looking at the uh, the results from from Saturday from the weekend. Well, Sunday as well. But uh, looking at the results, uh, Luke, and and I see that a, a game apparently I should have watched. I, I'm sure I could have found access here in the states because we get everything. 
Bournemouth uh, winning at West Ham 4-3. Callum Wilson with three goals. Do you know anything about that game? What did I miss? Um, well, you missed quite a lot. You missed um, some very quiet West Ham fans after their opening game of the season. And now they've uh, now they've sort of come back down to earth with a bump. And they, they really need to, to, to get behind their manager because I think he's such a volatile character that um, it could start to go south for them very quickly. They're picking up far too many red cards. They don't look uh, that coherent or that cohesive. They're making poor defensive mistakes. I mean, the way Jenkinson particularly um, and Cresswell played at the weekend was absolutely shocking. Uh, you know, and, and you've got to wonder what's happened there. But Cres- Cresswell was one of the standout fullbacks um, in the league last year. So that's worrying for them. Uh, Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth played well. I mean, they, they knocked the ball around like we're used to seeing from them. Uh, Callum Wilson <clears throat> stepped up and scored scored a hat-trick I mean the thing is I don't want to take anything away from him scoring his first Premier League hat-trick or anything but there were some absolutely woeful defensive errors I mean the first goal was a nice finish it was a great near post run and a good finish um, the second one was a terrible defensive error and the third one was a penalty so I mean it may have flattered Bournemouth slightly they still conceded three goals against a pretty ordinary looking West Ham team so it was a pretty uh, pretty good game high on incident but maybe not too high on defending, and, and really, Bournemouth can't rely on having to score four goals every week to to, to get a win. No, certainly so not. Be looking uh, at that. There's a difference between quality and, and entertainment sometimes, and that sounds like it was entertaining. Oh, that's, but... that's the Premier League all over there. You know, it's so entertaining. <laughs> it really is entertaining, and it's so so fast paced. But so many some of the defensive displays on on, on show are, are really quite poor sometimes. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about today's match. A big match in the early going. Arsenal hosting Liverpool. Um, you know, obviously. Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers, uh, so far so good. Arsenal, not, to, not not a great start to the season, but cert- certainly enough quality there in that team to imagine that they'll be hanging around the top three or four spots for most of the season. What does this particular game, though, m- mean You know, three match days in? Um, well, I don't know if it means an awful lot in that context. I think it'll be a good game. It tends to be. There's been a lot. I've read, I read earlier today. There's been more hat tricks in that game than any other Premier League game. So I think we can hopefully look forward to a bit of a bit of action, a bit of entertainment, as we just said earlier. Um, in terms of the context of, of of the league in general, I don't know if it means an awful lot. I mean, okay. are, we, are we are we considering Liverpool and Arsenal to be Premier League contenders I don't think I'm considering Liverpool to be no. possibly Arsenal but again I think that's probably a bit of a stretch well does this does this so, game I mean it, it, their ability to, to beat Liverpool at home does that will that say anything about Arsenal because we t- consistently talk about Arsenal's issue is sometimes it's a striker here or there sometimes it's um, you know it's defensive issues sometimes it's a, it's a midfielder but generally what it's about is, is their, their their mental fortitude Luke yeah, I don't. I think well, Arsenal's record against Liverpool at the Emirates is very good. They've lost one of their last fifteen, so I mean they're, they're going to be favourites going into the game. But it's a tough game for them, I and mean, they know Liverpool can hurt them. Um, so it will be interesting from that point of view. But Arsenal should be favourites to win. Um, and Liverpool, of course, have started the season well. I think they're lucky against Bournemouth. Though. I really do. Um, and I wonder really whether they're going to kick on and, and, and really achieve. What a lot of their fans think they'll achieve. I mean, you can't. It's impossible to consider Liverpool to be Premier League contenders because I think they need to overhaul a 25-point gap between them and Chelsea, or them and the Premier League winners last season. I mean, you can't make an argument seriously for that being the case. So, in, I don't think, in terms of the Premier League, it's <clears throat> it's a huge game, uh, but it'll be an entertaining game. I and mean, these are two big clubs, and it'll be great to watch. And I think Arsenal will be rightly considered favourites. But um, we've seen some great games before. We remember the 4-4 game when Arsenal scored four goals and. 
And I think Robbie Fowler's got a couple of hat tricks against Arsenal back in the day. It's, 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 a, um, it's a Premier League game with great history and great uh, pedigree. Um, but in terms of anything more than that, I'm not sure. Okay, fair enough. The there are a couple of um, you know a couple of stories swirling around each one of these teams. It continues to be a question of whether or not Arsenal is going to bring somebody else in. And we've we've already name checked Kareem Benzema once on this uh, on this interview with you talking about perhaps United should be in for him. I, I don't know where things stand with Arsenal and, and Benzema. Clearly, they they. You know, that's the kind of. Do you remember of, last week, though, Jason? We talked about the mentality of a player like Benzema and whether yes, he would be right, best right. suited for a club at Arsenal anyway. I mean, so it's. I wonder whether it's a case of being careful what you wish for. Though. Perhaps. And and speaking of mentality, and not that he was figuring at all in the early going, and and not that you would expect Rodgers to turn to him this season. But it looks like Mario Balotelli is leaving England. Will will likely go back to Milan on a season-long loan, uh, I, I, I don't know what to make. I, I'm consistently conflicted over Mario Balotelli, Luke, because I think so much of, of who he is and what he's dealt with impacts how he behaves, but he's ultimately responsible for himself. And despite immense talent, it just it never has come consistently enough for him to be what he should be. Yeah, I think when it comes to a professional athlete, it's about... A combination of talent and an application of that talent, isn't it? And then in, in Balotelli's case, um, he's not applied himself. And whether there are different um, mitigating factors for that, I mean, it's probably not really for us to say. But the ultimate situation is that is that a, a club want a player to perform. That he's, he's paid. He's paid very handsomely to do that. Um, it's not uh, an excuse, and he shouldn't take the contract up if he doesn't think he's going to apply himself. And, and clearly, he's, he's he's shown over and over again that he can't really apply himself consistently, which is a shame because as a player, I think there's a lot to like about him. Well, what, what, he's powerful, <laughs> he's good forward. Yes. Uh, he's capable of, of of tricks. He's capable of scoring goals in, in in most different ways, actually. And when he's really on song, like we saw in the Euros a few years ago, he can he can really perform. It's a shame we just haven't seen enough of that, really. Seems like a long, long time ago. That, that European it does, but it was. It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Uh, but, and, 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 you know, he is, uh, he's a guy who can, he's doing this thing, though, and, and this is why I worry, and, and, you know, obviously Liverpool fans um, probably won't give it second thought, uh, because, again, he wasn't figuring into to their plans, but he's a, he's a player who, seems to be making the same mistake you know, over and over again. Well, why go back to Milan mm. if it didn't necessarily work out the first time? Why come back to England and join Liverpool after what happened at City? It, it seems odd. I think a lot of it's to do with um, the advice he's getting, the agent he's got, um, and you've got managers who are generally tend to be inherently quite um, prideful, quite arrogant, so they think they can get the best out of a player. They think they can, they can achieve with a player where other managers have failed. Of course, they'll be happy to take the credit for that, even when it happens. Um, I think Rogers is probably quite a um, quite an arrogant man, and I don't mean that necessarily in a critical way. But I mean, he clearly thinks he can get the best out of players, as most managers do. Um, so he thought for the price offered, he was worth a gamble on. By the time he thought he could he could um, succeed where other managers have failed to get the best out of him. Of course, he's quickly found that he, he isn't able to do that, um, and it looks like he's going to go back to me now on loan and. and They've got Sunisa Mihaljevic as a manager there now who doesn't really take any nonsense. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. But me and I at a club who, who, um, who, in terms of their league position last season, was absolutely woeful. And there's all sorts of problems at that club. And, and for Mihaljevic to bring Balotelli in there is, is a bit of a gamble. But, I mean, that's essentially what Balotelli is. He's, he's a career gamble. I mean, he's gonna be a, for, the rest, for the rest of his career, any signing at Balotelli go, or any club that Balotelli goes to is going to be a gamble for that club. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, and I just think... Managers think they can get the best out of him, even though many many managers in the past have not been able to. So 
I don't think it's a huge surprise he's gone. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Liverpool fans have probably even forgotten he's there. I mean, he's, he's hardly yeah, featured. Right, exactly, he's, he's, yeah. not, he's not anywhere near the first team by the look of it at the moment. Um, and Liverpool made moves to get, to get Benteke in and, and they've got other striking options. So, I mean, it's going to be a case of he, he's going to go where anyone will have him, I suppose. It's the siren song of of immense talent. Whether the, you know, yeah, it, yeah, that's basically what it is, isn't it? it, it, it you're absolutely right. That's a great way of putting it. And we always, I mean, I've I've heard this. I can't remember who said it, but the the quote is always that when you're at this level, um, you know, everybody is immensely gifted athletically. It's it's what's in it's what's between your ears that decides whether or not you're a great player. Absolutely right. I completely agree. There you go. Luke Moore for the World Famous Football Ramble joining us on a Monday to talk about the Premier League. Fantastic stuff, Luke. Uh, have a good week. Enjoy Arsenal-Liverpool. And we'll and talk you. to you uh, perhaps uh, very soon. There goes Luke. Good stuff. Thank you, Luke. Cheers. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines to talk to you on a Monday. Lots to go over. MLS, La Liga, Premier League, FIFA stuff. Phone lines. That's what we're going to do. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Sunday, it's the return of MLS Rivalry Week as the New York Red Bulls take on DC United live on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. Eastern. For a different experience, I'd like to invite you to mute the TV and listen to me on Rabble.tv as I share my thoughts and analysis live during the 90 minutes. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by post- posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast, call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Red Bulls against D.C. on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. Everybody's freaking out over stocks on Twitter. Like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm not in the stock market. I bet you Trevor's in the stock. You're in the stock market, right? You're one of those guys. I'm not in the, I'm not in the stock. I don't. I have, a, like, a, I don't know, a mutual one, a 401k something so, somewhere. Like, I'd have to go look. I, I'm just not. My brain just did not work on that level. I find myself. If I was going to buy stocks, you'd have to translate it. And I think you could actually do this, right? The uh, buy stock in players game. I'm not talking about, like, third-party ownership in soccer. I'm talking about, like, there's fantasy games where you buy a player and the stock goes up and down. and Yeah. Which is clearly not, you know, that's not really fantasy sports. It's something else. Something else. I don't know what that is. Everybody's freaking out over stocks. So, I don't know. If your head's in the right place, to give me a call. Uh, 646, sorry. 646-832-3909. And if you can hear me, give me a call. Let's talk some soccer. I will say this. Um, it seems that it's 24 under 24 time in, uh, in MLS land. I think my spot's been taken away. I think I've been ousted as a voter. On the twenty-four under twenty-four panel, and I've been a I've been a member of that panel 
I voted on that in that poll or whatever. I don't know. Last four years, easy, easy, maybe more than that, maybe five. So my streak apparently is over. And you know what? I'm relieved. I'm relieved. I mean, my ego's like dinged a little bit because I don't know why they dropped me. Maybe they just think, oh, he's a really busy guy. He doesn't have time to watch all of the MLS. And yes, I said the MLS, making a joke. Maybe he's just not, I don't know, whatever. I but I like I said I'm I'm mildly relieved that I don't have the responsibility of trying to subjectively analyze subjectively assess the best 24 players under 24. I'll happily take a look at the list and and then rail against the voters who put so and so number five when they should be number seven, or that player should be number one when he was number three. Ah, shake your fist. I'll happily do that. I mean that's that's good radio. But apparently I'm not voting. 646-832-3909. Who is the best player under 24 in MLS? I almost went into an Irish thing there for some reason. Who is the best player under 24 in MLS right now? Hmm. It's not Guadalupe, but he might be there somewhere. I think he is. Yeah, I think that is. I think he is on the list. Not top of the list. I mean, you know, I'm a big Poku fan, but even I'm not going to argue he's the best under 24-year-old player. 646-832-3909. Hit me up. Let's talk some soccer. Let's talk some of this Premier League unveilings. Unveilings is not a thing that makes sense in that context, but you know what I mean. Let's talk about the Premier League weekend, the issues at Chelsea, the continuing saga of Jose Mourinho, football manager. He always looks so put upon. Like, I know that's kind of an old school saying that maybe some of you don't understand, but he always looks so like the world is pressing down on him. His team won a game in the rain. at the, I know it's always raining in England. He won a game in the rain at the Hawthorns on Sunday, and he, after the match, he looked like someone had stolen his puppy. Or... He, he, someone had stolen his puppy and he knew how that person was, but he couldn't do anything about it. So he was just sitting there stewing and angry about it. And I'm starting to, I, I, I've always been one of those people who liked what Jose brought to the table because he made it more interesting. Jose made it more fun to talk about soccer. Yeah. The, the game on the field mattered more. Yeah. His shenanigans could get tired, but I was never over that line yet with Jose Mourinho. I was always the guy who was like. You know, he's, he's, he's a genius. Look at what he does. He wins wherever he goes. Now, I'm not so sure. Now, I think my love affair, that's that's what it was. I think my love affair with Jose Mourinho is over. I think it's done. I think I'm going to have to cash out. It's been fun, Jose, but you just, you, you, you've gone too far, man. You've made it too weird. We talk MLS as well. And by the way, great shout from Connor on Twitter. Matt Miazga, number one, 24 under 24. That might be a good one. Bill in in, uh, in New York, what's up, man? Uh, I have to agree with that. I'm a, New York, a Red Bull fan. <laughs> of course, agree yeah, with that one. your bias is you fly that, fly that flag. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> well, 
I'm not a New York City fan, and Poku's right there, too, I believe. Okay, fair enough. All right, so what, uh, what's on and your mind today? I was calling about the game yesterday. I wanted to see what you thought. What's wrong with New York City? What, what's I, wrong? I the team. Wait, wait, wait. I, well, I know it's an exp- Go ahead, Go ahead, bro. No, no, no. It, it's your they call. Have, Go ahead. They have two great DPs, Pirlo and Galvedia. They have another DP who should be coming on eventually. They have great young players, Poku, McNamara. They have Knicks coming from the American side. You have a good goalkeeper. You have a great coach. It, I, I look at the team. There's so many good things about it, and they just can't get their acts together. I, again, I go back to the fact, Bill, that this team was thrown together. You know, the reason expansion teams struggle isn't just because of a lack of talent and a lack of, of quality players throughout the team, although that's a major part of it. It's also because they've had very little time to establish who they are. Even if you're talking about, oh, we turned over, we brought in 10 new players this offseason, you still have a core. You still know what your identity is. Even if you change your head coach, there's still something, a line of continuity through that team. Um, you know, I think that in New York's case, they threw a bunch of pieces together. Um, whether or not Lampard, Villa, and Pirlo make, make sense together in the same team in an MLS context is an open question. They have talent, but they don't have talent that works well together. That's it, Bill. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I, I just look up and down that line. I'm like, there's a lot of... Good players on this team. Yeah. And again, good young guys, too, like McIntyre and Poku. I mean, how can you not be excited about those two guys? Well, I think what, yeah, I mean, what, what's funny is when we watch those players, we see their good moments. We see we see Poku making the 30-yard run. We see, see him get on the end of a pass and scoring. We see Tommy McNamara hitting the channels and doing some things. But maybe what we miss is that, you know, that, that, uh, that, uh, the, other elements of their game haven't come around yet. So it's easy for us to get excited. I think that when, especially when it comes to younger players, we get excited for those, those movements going forward, but when we don't completely uh, take into account everything else that they need to do to work within the team. I mean, this is a sport that's so incredibly complicated in terms of responsibility. You know, it's not just about scoring goals and assists. And I know you know this, Bill, but I mean, you know, are you in the right place at the right time? Are you coming back to help defensively? And it's even more than that. I mean, it's it's rotation. It's um, you know, it's making yourself available. I kept saying it yesterday. I did a Rabble TV broadcast for that game yesterday, Bill, and I kept saying it because it strikes me every single time I watch them play. Andrea Pirlo's impact is limited because he's got to sit there and spin on the ball four times before he can find somebody who makes themselves available. So that's now you're looking at Pirlo and you're thinking, well, Pirlo sucks. Well, no, no, no. It's not Pirlo who necessarily sucks. It's everybody ahead of him who's failing to make that run that gets them into space that allows Pirlo to find them with that uh, that pinpoint 40-yard ball. Pirlo's great, but he's only as great as his teammates allow him to be. And that's the true across the whole team. Yeah, and I know Price has questioned Polk on defense. Yes. I've heard a few things saying he doesn't think he does enough defensively. Where does, uh, one more thing, and I'll hang up. Roger King. King, where does he rank on the DP list? He was just incredible. I think he's I, the, I, I, just, I, I love watching the guy play. He works his ass off. He does. It's just, he's great to watch play. Yeah, yeah, you know, he has those moments where he throws fits and tantrums and he gets upset and he puts his hands out for the ball like this. Like, give me the ball. But 
he has never failed to bust his ass for the LA Galaxy. You know, I, I talked about that story about how he played in the Champions League midweek, and when asked about it, Bruce Arena said it was either play Robbie Keane or get punched in the face by Robbie Keane, because Robbie Keane <laughs> wants to play. And, and the truth of the matter is, when MLS teams go out and find DPS, the the first thing they need to be sure of the the one thing that absolutely has to be true is that that player still loves playing the game, and that means that when they get out there, it's not a job for them. I mean, it is a job, of course, but it's not a job for them when they get out there. They they bust their ass for 90 minutes or however long they're on the field. Robbie Keane is the best DP in MLS history. And you know what? David Villa busts his ass, too. I don't think there's any question about David Villa being committed to that team. He made that quote. Uh, he said that comment after the game, Bill. He said, you know, I need help. I can't do it by myself. And that uh, hurts, and I think that that's not necessarily good for locker room morale, but it's true. And he does need help, and they need to figure out ways to get him the ball. I mean, how many times did he touch the ball yesterday? How many times did you really see David Villa in dangerous positions. I saw David Villa taking 25-yard shots because he didn't have any other options. I, that was the reason why I was saying about New York City, not like the Cavs they have, because you do have a DP like him who is buying into it, who is busting his ass and he's doing everything. I mean, they should be so much better with a guy like David Villa pushing them and work with these guys. And I'm just, I'm, I can't put my finger on it. And I know it's an expensive thing. I know it's going to take some time. But they should be better than this. Okay, fair enough. I think that's... Um... I think that's a little harsh, Bill. Appreciate the phone call, man. Bill, uh, Bill, Bill Thank you. There you go. I think that's a little harsh. Again, they're an expansion team, and, and maybe if it wasn't for the money, and I, and I guess we have this perception uh, that if you throw enough money at, at a problem, you could overcome all of the, the issues that usually come with this situation. And, and this in this situation, it's an expansion team coming into MLS. Traditionally, they don't do that well. Seattle made the playoffs. We go go back to 97 when Chicago not only made the playoffs but won a, an MLS Cup title. Those are those are aberrations. And, and the league has changed since 2009. The league is you know clearly there's an Orlando team that's struggling just as much and actually before the year I think a lot of us thought I had you know I I kind of had I had kind of had New York City FC with a an advantage because of Jason Kreiss. But considering that Orlando had a more solid, even team across the board. You thought maybe that they would actually be better. Trevor wants to tip in here. Because of scheduling, that they outed half of their quality players halfway through the season. They're essentially in preseason. Right. I mean, you have a lot of things that are on the table for NYCFC that haven't been on the table for other expansion teams. And that makes it even more difficult, even though, again, they're spending money. But then it's MLS. So consider where they're spending money. They've got three DPs in a mixed disc room. I mean, I don't know that that's enough. I mean, look, what what happened um, What happened to Nemich? Completely out of the team now, right? I mean, that's, that's wasted money uh, effectively. Um, their, their back line has been a work in progress all year. Now, yesterday was Shea Facey and Jason Hernandez. That's not a... That's not a, an MLS playoff caliber center back pairing. Facey's a young player who may grow into himself, but he's not there yet. Jason Hernandez is a, a an okay MLS player. I mean, he, that's what he is. He's an okay MLS player. They do have a pair of fullbacks that are very nice, and Ariola and Angelino, and I thought for the most part that they played pretty well yesterday. But again, let's go back to the team construction. If Ariola and Angelino, and, and you know, defensively they had their struggles because everybody did, 
because they didn't have because LA is good. I mean, let's let's not let's not heap all of that all of that on NYCFC yesterday. LA is a very good attacking team with an incredible amount of weapons, and they'll beat you nine times out of ten, whether you have the best center back pairing in the league or not, the best fullbacks in the league or not. But what that meant is when Ariola and Angelino tried to get up the field to help in the attack, you're going to leave gaps. They left gaps and they got beat. How many times you see Robbie Rogers running with the ball at his feet, 30 yards unimpeded? That's, you know, that's the kind of thing that comes from the situation NYC uh, FC finds itself in. I think they'll get better next year. Will they make the playoffs this year? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think they're good enough. But it's the Eastern Conference that, you know, it doesn't have anybody that's really pulling away from the pack. And considering the fact that there's 10 playoff spots on the line, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility either. I mean, you look, you look at the Eastern Conference. Are there six teams definitely better than NYCFC? No. There are, there maybe. DC United, okay, better. Run, rough run right now, and, and, and NYCFC beat them, but DC United is better. Red Bulls are better. Columbus is better. Toronto? Is Toronto better? They're six points up on NYCFC. And they have two games in hand on, on New York. But how much better are they? Okay, they're better. We'll say they're better. That's five. I mean, that's four. The New England Revolution. Better? Probably. Better. Is Montreal better than New York City FC? Now, Montreal has a lot of games to make up, and they're in the, they're in the playoff spot right now that ahead of New York City FC. So maybe maybe they are. Is Orlando better? It doesn't look like it. Is Philly better? No. Is Chicago better? No. So it, it it's 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 possible them they'll squeak into the playoffs. Now they're going to have to play, no matter where they end up in the playoffs. They're not going to finish the top two spots. So they're going to need to play that um, play in round. The, the playoff format's got to stay the same. I keep getting confused year to year. I. I'm like, well, the playoffs come around, and then this is going to happen, and then my brain goes, no, wait, they changed it. They changed it. Oh, this year, Montreal in the sixth spot would play Columbus in the third spot, Toronto would play New England, and then the winners would go on to play DC United and Red Bulls, respectively, and then we would have conference final, and then we, and my brain's like, just, uh, maybe we should, maybe I should become a single-table convert. I don't mind playoffs. In fact, I like playoffs. I like the big MLS Cup final. But maybe I'll become a single-table convert just because this is stuff is confusing. Last call for phone calls on a Monday, 646-832-3909. You go chat there about LA Galaxy and NYCFC and, and tell me, hold up your hand. I can't see you. Hold up your hand if you think that LA is not, not the top MLS Cup contender right now. If you're holding up your hand, I'm flabbergasted. How could you possibly believe that? Uh, watching this league right now, pretty clear to me that LA Galaxy are the best team in the league. Sporting Kansas City had a terrible week. They dropped two results. Vancouver, a decent team that remains slightly unconvincing. They're right there with the Galaxy. They've actually got more wins than the Galaxy. They've given up fewer goals than the Galaxy. They've played one less game, one fewer game. But they've given up six fewer goals. But... You realize, I mean, you, 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 you look at the Galaxy, you assess them as a team, but that includes not only the players that they have within that team, but their history, their coach, the fact that they don't lose at the StubHub Center. 
And it just all adds up to the LA Galaxy being number one top MLS contender right now. That doesn't mean that they're the best team. In, it, it, it doesn't mean they'll be the best team over the course of the rest of the year. But it does right now look like they're on their way to at least challenging, at least making a deep playoff run. Because things can happen. Things can happen in the playoffs. All right. Seems like we've petered out on a Monday. Good stuff. Thanks to, to Bill for the phone call. If you're calling me on the old line, th- there's a new line. People still do that. 646-832-3909 is the phone number. Everything goes through there. If you're looking to get on the show, that's where you need to call me. All right. Thank you very much to Luke Moore from the World Famous Football Ramble. You can follow him on Twitter at Lukey Moore. There's a Y there. That's going to be pronounced that clearly. Lukey. Lukey. Like, like his first name is Lukey Moore, right? That's his. That's the Twitter handle, right? Yeah. Go follow him. Make sure you're listening to the Football Ramble. It's excellent. I haven't had time recently, but I need to get back on that particular horse as the new season is now underway. All right. News, notes, anything? Anything? Am I missing anything? I feel like I'm missing. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me do this for my man Landon out there because he'll call me up later in the week and he'll yell at me. Let's let's mention because I did at the top of the show I ran through a bunch of MLS uh, uh, MLS results and I did not mention that RSL beat Seattle two nothing um, at Rio Tinto a big big match for RSL in their attempt to get into the playoffs in 2015. We we've talked a lot this year about RSL struggling that the the bloom is off the rose. This is no longer the same team. This is no longer the same organization. They have lost. A lot of what made them so attractive as the small market success story in MLS. But it's not over. It's not over. They are right now in ninth place. But they are tied with Houston. They are three points back of Seattle for that playoff spot. They would also have to jump over San Jose. But it's possible. It's there. They did beat Seattle when they needed to beat Seattle. They took points off of a rival for the playoff spot. And they won a game that they desperately needed to win. I don't know what this says about Seattle right now. Seattle is not uh, is not firing, clearly. I mean, they <laughs> they lost, what was it, 8 of 9. Then they beat Orlando City 4 nothing. Apparently, that's what everybody does. And then they beat, uh, and then they lose to RSL. Now, yeah, that's a tough place to go play, but, you know. And now they have a, the, the Cascadia Derby match coming up this weekend, and that's not going to be easy for them either. Uh, even if Portland doesn't score a lot of goals, they're a very tough team to beat. All right, that's it. I am done. Let's go to uh, let's have you guys go to backheel.com slash store to buy yourself a mug. We've got T-shirts over there as well. We're working on the Poku Party T-shirt. What else, Trev? Is there anything else I'm missing? I feel like, oh, yeah. Make sure you go to the Soccer Morning YouTube channel. Is that what it is? Soccer Search Soccer Morning? And go to the Soccer Morning YouTube channel and subscribe. You've got to do that. It helps us out a lot. It's going to help uh, prolong the life of the show over the course of the next, uh, let's just let's call it 10 years. Let, let's just say we're going to be here for 10 years. And then when we get to the end of 10 years, we'll reassess the situation. We'll see if you guys even like us anymore at that point. All right, I'm out of here. Thanks again to, uh, to Luke Moore for showing up and talking Premier League. I'll talk to you guys on Series XMFC today or here tomorrow. I'll see you then. Later. Disappear 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 